0: Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're regular, welcome back. All righty, Chris, how you doing?
1: All right. I am emerging for air right now, but <laughs> ready to talk to you for the next hour.
0: It's been one of those days, huh? Just <laughs> heads down, cranking away.
1: Yeah, pretty much. How about you?
0: Yeah, uh, a bit similar. I drove back from San Jose last night, and I spent all day, most of Thursday, driving, and then we spent the day, or the weekend, sort of extended weekend up in San Jose with some friends. So it was fun, a bit tiring driving so much, and then today, sort of catching up on th- things and trying to move the ball forward, but uh, doing good.
1: Feel feel good. How long is that drive? I I didn't realize you were heading up there.
0: Yeah, it's pretty long. Um, (laughs) On Thursday, we ended up leaving. We were trying to leave around, like, noon or 1, and we ended up leaving at 2.30, and then we got there at 11.30 because we got stuck in some L.A. traffic, and then we, like, stopped briefly twice, you know, to, like, go to the bathroom and get some food and stuff. Um, But I think we were, like, driving for, like – eight and a half hours, nine hours. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty brutal. <laughs> the drive back <laughs> was a, a lot easier. No traffic, much faster. Um, I think too, just like hitting, so you, you, know, you drive up through LA from San Diego and then you hit with like the grapevine and then it's just like this super long stretch, uh, where it's really flat and it's like fairly easy and you can go pretty fast. And then you get to like San Jose area ish and, doing that as like the last leg of the trip is really hard because you've already been driving for like five hours. Yeah. But doing that as the first leg of the trip is really easy because it's just kind of, I mean, it, it is very easy. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, but it's fun. And, um, it seems like we've been doing something every weekend. <laughs> and this next weekend we're going to big bear with some family. So, and then like in two weeks, we're finally doing our little Cancun trip. With my wife won the, on the trip from the Ellen show. <laughs> we're finally doing that because of COVID. So it's like good and bad. I'm like, Oh, it's so nice to get out. But at the same time, we're kind of like, geez, it's kind of tiring.
1: Yeah. And I was going to say you, you, you had another short week then or short. Yeah. Week. Another,
0: <laughs> yeah. Another short week. Well, it wasn't too short. Cause I was, I worked from like six to 12 on Thursday. And then on Friday I still worked, um, like the whole day. It was just oh, okay. I was there at, at the friend's house. Cool. Um, so, yeah.
1: Yeah. The perks yeah. of remote work.
0: Right. I know. I ended up doing, um, I did a like a workshop webinar with um, Hello Meets. And that was at 7 a.m. on Friday. Oh, no way. Uh, I sort of like, I had ordered rescheduled once. And then I realized I was like, oh, I'm not going to be like in my office. But I was like, oh, I could probably make it work there. I ended up working fine. Um, but it was, you know, I arrived. I was like, Hey, so we got there like midnight. I was like, Hey, so I have a webinar at (laughs) 7am. Can I like post up here in your dining room? And they're like, sure. I was like, no, this is just how it works, how it goes. That's awesome. Yeah. Strange stuff though. Yeah. Yeah. What's, uh, what have you been working on?
1: Um, let's see. I feel like, yeah, last week was, it was the first week in a while. That's felt like, okay, starting to move the ball forward a little bit. Um, I've just kind of been spinning my wheels and um, yeah uh, I don't know I I had a few good conversations with with a couple people Uh, one of them was was Tyler from Ernest he took some time to chat with me because you know he's been he's been seeing my updates hearing me talk about how kind of I've you know I've been pretty open that I'm sort of struggling to keep up with the support stuff and also figuring out you know how to get help with that build out the team further uh, and kind of like what that all means for future of jetboost future of my role at jetboost and um right yeah so we took about an hour to, to chat about that and he said you know this is this is something that is quite common that he sees a lot especially with a uh, developer solo founder you know someone like myself who built a product uh it starts to catch on and then eventually it reaches a point where you can't do everything (laughs) yourself anymore and now you have to go figure out how to um like i said build build a team out so yeah yeah it was it was really good He, he said a couple things that that i don't know just were really helpful for me uh he One of the things he said that i thought was really interesting he he was telling a story about uh he was telling a story from jason cohen who was telling the story Mm -hmm. uh jason who who runs uh wp engine they've got over a thousand employees now and so he was saying you know one thing you don't realize until you've done it when you have that many employees almost every single day is a life changing event for like a life event for somebody so somebody's either guess, yeah. hmm. you know uh, getting married or uh, you know go through a breakup or their relative uh, is in the hospital or you know there's always something going on Someone gets in a car accident whatever um, and that's just that's just the nature of scale at that size and uh, what Tyler was saying for jetboost is you know now that jetboost has is nearing a thousand customers it's it's sort of the same principle where you know not that that people's individual life events affect jet boost but there's usually something happening for someone's account uh almost every single day and it could be something major for their account Uh, and that's why from my perspective now it feels like everything's always on fire all the time but it's it's really Mm -hmm. just the the scale that it's That it's operating at now,
0: right? There's like tiny, a bunch of tiny little Mm -hmm. fires spread out in random places at random times every day. (laughs) Right. Analogy.
1: (laughs) Right. And Hmm. yeah, and you know, when, when when you start out and customers are bringing you issues like that, it's it feels really good to number one, like as the founder, provide support and provide it quickly, be able to, oh, I can jump in the code and like fix this for them and, and let them know, hey, that's already taken care of. And it, like, it feels really good because they're like super stoked and you get this like dopamine hit of, you know, I just solved their problem and, and they're happy and they're going to go hopefully tell other people about what great service they got. And so when you start out and there, and you have say 10 customers, 20 customers, you can do that. And it's just like, it's this feedback loop that feels really good. And it's, at least Tyler was saying, it's it's kind of, it's it's fairly common to get stuck in that because, and I think that's that's definitely what I've done. Like, I'm a developer, I like solving problems, I like helping people. Uh, and I've been s- just feeding this feedback loop over and over for a long time now. Uh, and you know, you have to be focused on solving the right problems uh which yes like definitely want to be able to help as many customers as possible but that's not always through uh you know going in and looking at someone's site and and say like writing a bunch of custom code for them like it's it's better to be solving problems that that helps the entire customer base so right
0: it's like you you feel like a superhero when (laughs) it's just you helping all these people doing all these things and like coming in to save these, save the day with these quick fixes and solutions. And then, like I said, seeing their reaction be like, "Whoa, that's awesome. Like, I can't believe you just shipped that or fixed that. But then at some point you start to fail as a superhero. <laughs> and <then> you have <laughs> exactly. to sort of take a different strategy and you don't feel like a superhero anymore, which is a bummer.
1: Yeah. But yeah. That's, that's totally it. And, yeah, so I, I've, and I've been so focused on that, that it's number one, it's stopped me or it's at least greatly slowed me from, I mean, I've been talking about it probably since <laughs> since we first started this podcast, which is, which is rather embarrassing, but um, yeah, yeah, just... It's an ongoing thing. I mean, it's never going to be like solved, right? Yeah, but uh, it, I guess anyway, so like what came out of that conversation was you know, I, I realized, okay, like I need to actually seriously focus on trying to hire someone for this. And, uh, you know, we've and actually, the podcast has helped a lot because you've been giving me confidence that I can find the, the type of person that I'm looking for with the skills that, that, uh, I'm seeking. And so, yeah, last week I, I finally actually wrote up the, uh, the customer support job rec, um, at least the first draft of it. And, um, just putting together the now the application for that and I'm hoping to have that live this week um, so I can see if see if anyone's interested in in joining the team that's amazing yeah so, yeah. so this week you're posting yeah that's that's the goal That's super cool yeah, yeah.
0: Um, that'll be fascinating but um I'm optimistic there will be some good people and um, I love the I, I think it's it's a great job ad too so well done
1: yeah. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, uh, I haven't done something like that before. So, um, yeah, I, I started out looking at other companies in the no-code space, Webflow, uh, Member Space, Member Stack, just seeing how they've written theirs and um, taking bits and pieces from each. and That was definitely a good starting point, but it as I was like cobbling all these together, it started to feel very uh, uh, just like generic and, and not because their job descriptions were generic, but just cause I was taking like bits and pieces from each. Right. And so, you know, eventually I, I just like, I need to just write this. How, like, how do I want it to come off as, you know, someone working with me on JetBoost and, um, it, it felt a lot better once I made it more personal and, uh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it's like super easy to create like a (laughs) formulaic,
0: bland, boring job ad that looks like everything else and reads like everything else. And it only takes like just a little bit extra to make it sound and feel different and unique and sort of go above and beyond in in a noticeable way. And I think you managed to achieve that from my perspective. Yeah.
1: No, thanks. I appreciate that. Especially, I think, looking at other companies, what they're doing, and these are obviously much larger companies, uh and so they're maybe trying to hire the 10th support person or or 100th or right. whatever. Uh I was like this uh, I need to take what applies but leave out everything that that doesn't apply so. Mm-hmm. Um
0: It's good though. Fine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and again like the conversation with Tyler was a big part of that. He was like, "Listen, you built the product, uh it's working. That's like a very hard level to get past. And and now you're at the next level, which is like building the company. And he goes, that's, that's like the fun part. Uh, yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah it, just, it, yeah, it just, yeah, it took like a little bit of reframing, but I'm like, yeah, that, that actually is the fun part. Like even working with the the contractors that I work with now, um, it does feel, it feels really good to be able to pay people. Like I've, this is my first experience doing that, and it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, someone's providing you good work, which is awesome. And then they're getting rewarded for that with cash. Like that's, that's a great trade. That's uh yeah, that's been a really cool experience. So,
0: yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. Especially to make that forward progress and scale beyond yourself. Yeah. I, I, re- I really hope that uh, it'll be a sort of unlock for you and um be a game changer for like, I don't know, like company dynamics and just what you can work on and think about and be able to do. Cause I think those are, It's definitely one of the big ones. I was just talking with Derek earlier and he's been sort of talking about the same thing on the art of product podcast. And, uh, it's, it's not, I think it's, it's weird because it's not like a, it's not one of those really like sexy roles of like product or like, I guess like business side, you know, sales and marketing. Um, and I wish that more people were like excited about it, especially given like the flexible kind of, know part-time nature of it like it's such a sweet gig and i keep saying that over and over again but like i wish i would have you know been able to do that or known about that a few years ago and or had the opportunities you know to work for a jet boost or a savvy cal in that capacity back then um so yeah it's just hard like still it feels early for that kind of thing to be like a normal thing that's just like everyone and anyone would be looking for
1: yeah yeah, I'm. All, I'm trying to think about it a little bit differently because, yeah, I feel like uh, when I think of support roles, I think of. Okay, you're expected to be online from say nine a.m. Eastern to five p.m. or whatever whatever your sh- uh, support shift is. I'm thinking about it like, if if we can keep our replies within twenty four to forty eight hours, like it really doesn't matter. Uh, right. If you're, if you're sitting online, you know, between these certain times or whatever, uh, could be at 2 AM. Like, yeah, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. As as long as people are getting replies. Uh, I mean, right now with, with just me doing it, it's sometimes taking up to a week. So, uh, any improvement from there is going to be a big improvement. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, really, really excited about that. And, uh, I'll say the the other thing from last week that was somewhat similar was, again, coming out of some of the conversations I had. uh, I've I've always focused on the customer, put the customer first, uh, but I've done that now somewhat to a detriment of the uh, the team. So, like, it's I had someone tell me like basically you need to focus on your team first, customer second. Uh, which you always hear like mm. customer first. And so that, that I didn't really realize like how important that was. So, um, you know, I've been working with Sarwitch and he's been doing really good work on the dev side. And actually I haven't been able to keep up with uh, just the, the projects that he's worked on. Um, there's been a few different uh, projects going on in parallel. And again, it's all just because I've been the bottleneck. Uh, and so last week I, I just... Uh, We had a call and I was just like, listen, you know, I'm sorry, like uh, with paternity leave and then some of the support and engineering challenges, scaling, uh, I've I've kind of dropped the ball there. So I'm now making that a priority and and we're going to get a bunch of stuff to production this week that he's worked on. Um, So yeah, just, uh, and again, it feels like things are moving forward again now because I'm able to... Get his stuff going um, a little bit smoother. Get him uh, uh, get get him like feedback quicker, um, so he can move faster and not have to jump back and forth between projects. And uh, yeah, same with with the designer that I'm working with. Same with uh, Nelson, who's working on the videos. He just got another batch to me over the weekend. So, I'm like, wow, like <laughs> I don't feel like I'm moving that fast right now. But if if I can. Uh, work with everyone else and, and keep things going forward. Like this feels pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 Seriously. As long as everyone else is moving fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's interesting. Um, I was just
0: thinking how, you know, you, you hire people so that you're not the bottleneck, but then you have to continue to not be the bottleneck for those people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, um, I guess it's not, it's the same problem, but it sort of appears in a different way after you hire people. Cause like, you don't want to be the bottleneck because of the work that you do, but then you have to not be the bottleneck to the work that they do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I talked about that with Tyler a little bit and he's like, basically, you know, it's, you're going, you're going to move slower every time you hire someone in the beginning. Like it's going to take more of your time. Um, they're not gonna be able to do it, uh, what you do as quickly, but eventually after that first like initial dip, then they're going to be moving faster. You're going to be moving faster and, um, uh, just have to get to that point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. I mean, baby steps just progress every day, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that really is it. And it's hard when, like I said, it for a few weeks now, it's just felt like I'm spinning my wheels in place and, uh, trying to, trying to work on the big picture a little bit more and, um, yeah, just, just grow from here. So we'll see. It's cool. Yeah.
0: Well, I only have a couple like updates on my end and then a couple of things I wanted to chat about sort of like thoughts. Um, yeah. but on the Swifile side of things, I've scheduled a bunch of workshops. So I'm kind of experimenting with a series of bringing in like an industry expert, uh, and then having like a series of them all based on the same sort of like theme or category. So we're starting with like fundamentals, like the, you know, art of operations, what do you do in marketing? First you start with research. And so bringing in a whole bunch of people to do workshops based on research and um, sort of tested the idea on Twitter and it seemed to get some good receptions. So now I'm actually, you know, scheduling the workshops with people and like making it a thing. So I designed a, a really quick MVP like events page on Swipe Files. And then uh, getting them all set up technically, and then I'm going to be promoting them, maybe later today, tomorrow, uh, if I get to them. And um, so that feels exciting. Just like it's been like an idea in the back of my head for the last, you know, six months or so. <laughs> like finally That's acting awesome. on it feels good, and like oh, I can make progress. And it's been like this thing weighing in the back of my head a little bit. Um, so I'm really stoked to. I think like the, the general idea, and what gets me really excited about SWIFO is just to keep building like this the, the networks, the network effects of information. And, um, I love the idea of building this kind of catalog and archive of, um, evergreen workshops. And, you know, like there's like the posts and like the user generated content. And then there's like workshops and things that are a little little bit more like tactical and, uh, outcome based. And then like, I'll also have another layer, which is like courses, which are even more sort of buttoned up and, um, and a thing, right? But it feels too good good to have like those different layers that are all kind of building on top of each other and offering, you know, another reason to sort of join. And, um, and I'm also, I've been thinking about playing around the, I think the next thing I'm going to test is maybe this idea of masterminds. And it sort of occurred to me on the way up to San Jose last week, uh, because that's one of the other things that when I originally launched the community, it was kind of split. It was like half the people were like, Oh, I love the idea of a community and, you know, we'll have to be a part of one or I'm not a part of one right now. And so can I kind of spun that up. And then there's like another half that were like, yeah, that's an interesting idea. But have you ever thought about hosting mastermind groups? And I was like, oh, that, that's cool. And I, I like that, but it's not exactly what I had in mind for the community. But I'll keep you in the loop if I, you know, end up spinning something up like that. And so originally I had the idea of like, oh, well, if we do a mastermind, you know, they require a lot of time from me and I'd, I'd have to sort of make it like a bigger price point. Yeah, I don't know if that's the type of thing that I would want to do just because I couldn't imagine being on so many calls kind of facilitating those every week. And then on the way up, you know, just you have all that time to just like sit there and I wasn't listening to podcasts the entire time. <laughs> and so, you know, for hours, you're just kind of like sitting there in your own thoughts, driving, and I was like, what if I'm not a part of the masterminds? And so I've kind of have this idea of like, oh, what if I just like be the matchmaker and the curator and I put these groups together? And I think it's probably been something spinning around in my subconscious for a while since i've been part of the on deck no code fellowship because they have a similar idea of they just like play matchmaker and you know pair you up with five other people in your cohort and that's been fun and i was like oh what if i just took that to Swi files and um so i'm not sure exactly what what there is yet but it might be fun i don't know i might test it out but i was thinking maybe it could just be something based on like who people are so job title or industry or role uh, or it could be based on what people want to do. Like maybe it's growing your Twitter following. Maybe it's growing your email list. Or maybe it's growing your podcast following. You know, or something like that where it's, just, it's very like specific to a certain goal or outcome. Um, but that's like another idea I've been noodling around with uh, that maybe can layer on top of the workshops and events.
1: Interesting. Uh, a couple of thoughts. First, I love the workshops idea because the workshops that you used to do at Bear metrics were amazing. Uh, I remember the the one you did with uh, Pedro Pedro Cortez, was it? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, about like landing pages, copywriting. That was so valuable. So is that, is that kind of the idea that you're thinking, those, those style of workshops?
0: Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so basically just taking like a very practical step-by-step, here's how you do X, and then doing like a series of them all together. So like for this research one, starting with research, cause I want to like do it a little bit, uh, sequentially like, you know, you do research and then maybe it's more like messaging and positioning brand, And then you we would go to like copywriting and then we'd go to like website design indoor setup. And then we'd go to like channels like SEO or, you know, Paid ads, or you know, kind of have like these different themes that we we can kind of buckle them together instead of just being random. I could be wrong on that, but that's just the the thought behind it.
1: Yeah, that'd be awesome. I love that.
0: That, that way they can kind of build on top of each other. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to bring that back. And, um, the people I have so far I should look at my page right now, but I think the first one kicks off this week. In fact, um, nice, but I have let's see, just a quick. I have Nicholas Stevenson from Trustpilot, Adrian Barnes, um, Stuart Balcom, Michelle Hansen is actually doing one with us, uh, Matthias Bolin. Um, And so I I think it also helped to like, I'm a little bit scared of the idea of just like every week, another like scheduled thing. Like I already, you know, I do podcast interviews every week or every other week ish. I uh, did this podcast and I was like, I don't want to, I don't know if I want to add in like another weekly thing, but if I can do it in these like series, then maybe I can, there's little breaks or, mm-hmm. you know, I can kind of like schedule them out and it's not like something I have to commit to every single week forever. Um, but that's the idea behind them. So I'm stoked to work on those and kind of make some progress. Uh, that makes Those sense. are the, the, yeah, those are the fun things. <laughs> also fun thing is I'm getting ready for my first tax season uh, being uh, self-employed. And, um, well, oh, it's fun. Yeah. Cause we're kind of like retroactively going back in 2020 and like filing things, you know, before swipe files was incorporated, essentially. And then things with my wife's business. And, um, man, this is just like the worst. <laughs> I think, especially <laughs> like this time, just cause things are, you know, there's all sorts of business expenses on personal credit cards and bank accounts and, um, things are all over the place. So, it's been a pain, but I'm supposed to get a lot of it to my accountant and tax person today. And, uh, it's just been, it's just been hard. So next year I'm looking forward to, I think having a lot more of that sorted out beforehand and also having more budget to pay them to do more of it. <laughs> Cause we're still like to save some money. We're like going through QuickWix manually and like mm-hmm. classing things and categorizing and whatnot. But, Oh man, it's, it's a pain. Um, yeah, those are the, the two, Sorry, go ahead.
1: No, it's the first year when you have things mixed up like that between personal and business is always brutal, but it'll be much easier next year.
0: Yeah. And now I I really understand why people say (laughs) how to keep things separate as much as you can and like have this set up. And it's kind of like, you know, I'll get there when I get there. And now I'm there and I'm like, dang it. You know, I I did this to myself (laughs) knowingly and I'll accept it. It's fine (laughs) because I didn't want to go through the trouble earlier, but it's still a pain. I have to complain a little bit. Um, one of the things I wanted to get your thoughts on that I've just been feeling, but I just wanted to like put it out there was, uh, feelings of jealousy a bit. And this is probably, I don't know, it's maybe just like the camel that broke the, the what was it? The, the straw that broke the camel's back was this road trip up and down San Jose, listening to seven hours of, you know, podcast interviews with entrepreneurs. <laughs> But I was just like, oh my gosh, everyone else is successful and rich and super smart except for me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know that's not true. And there's like tons of survivorship bias and just like recency bias. And of course, on a lot of podcast interviews, like you want to talk to the most successful stories and people and sort of like the outliers in a lot of senses, you know. But I'm like listening to people who, are from like all you know creators SaaS founders agency owners and they're just like you know talking about their exits or their revenue numbers <laughs> and their growth rates and i'm just like freaking a like it can be really discouraging listening to that like has the opposite effect where i'm mm-hmm. like i should just give up like i'm not going <laughs> to that or i'm not gonna reach that level um but i see it all the time i i try to catch myself my wife struggles with this a lot too. And we talk about it, but um, it's hard. It's hard to be happy for other people's successes when you don't feel like you have that sort of under your belt quite yet. Like you can't share in their success a little bit. Um, I don't know how you, how you felt, but that was just like something that I've been battling with, especially on that, on that road trip.
1: Yeah. Seriously, I seriously, I can't believe you just asked me that because I, try to write down notes throughout the week. And one of my notes was I was going to ask you if you ever find yourself comparing like swipe files to other communities <laughs> oh, <geez>. or <laughs> yeah. oh so, my gosh! So I guess we, we've been on the same wavelength here. Um, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I mean other
0: communities, other like course creators, SaaS founders, I'm just like, why isn't it? And it's hard for me too, because it's easy as an entrepreneur to have like shiny object syndrome where just like, anything and everything you have new ideas all the time and you know you want to jump on the latest thing and like especially right now i feel like things have just been going bonkers between nfts and communities and cohort-based courses and like startups growing like crazy because of covid or just because i don't know fundraising or something like uh who was it it was jordan gall on the um the bootstrap web podcast maybe it was probably a long time ago maybe it was like a year ago and he was talking about this and it, it reminded me of it because there was this article that came out and it was like everyone it was about bitcoin and cryptocurrency which isn't exactly the same but the article literally was titled everyone is getting her- hilariously rich and you're not <laughs> and he was like he was like story of my life like this is the thought that goes through my head every single day yeah and uh, so yeah anyways it's it's something it's a daily battle
1: it's, yeah. It feels like a very strange time right now. Like we're we're in this. I don't know. Everything feels like a lottery right now. Like, really uh, like does. you said, NFTs, crypto, uh, meme stocks, GME. Uh, 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 yeah, SaaS valuations and funding and, um, you know, seeing people just tweet out uh, MRR increasing by a thousand like every single day. Mm -hmm. It's just like,
0: yeah, I don't know. So much FOMO.
1: Yeah. The, the, yeah, I don't know. I I've been on Twitter a lot less lately. Uh, I think that's, that's a big part of it is just like, none of that stuff is, is valuable for anyone. Uh, Hmm. Uh, it's just, it's like, it's just a bunch of noise. And so uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I think because Jetboost is at a point now where it's like, it's done better than I could have expected when I started it. Um, like it, it got to default alive. Like I didn't think that was possible. Uh, so looking at other SAS products and whatnot, I, I think. I'm able to feel a little bit less jealousy. Like, sure. I w I wish the, you know, MRR was growing faster or whatever. Um, but I at least feel like, okay, like survival is taken care of. Um, so if somebody else is, you know, growing five times as fast as JAPU, like good for them. Um, uh, but in areas where I'm struggling more, like, yeah, I find myself comparing uh, a lot more. Uh, so, I mean, one of the things with, with Jetboost is, is building out the team. Like, I, I've seen, um, you know, other founders who are more experienced. Uh, the one that comes to mind is is Matt Wensing, who's awesome, and I, I love following him. I'm like, wow, he's he's already, like, building out the team for uh, his product summit, and he, he just went from, like, just himself to I think he's got two or three people now. Um, just within, like, a week, he, he, like, hired all these people. It's just like yeah man like i can't move that fast um and and he's you know he's already had a successful exit and and has done this before but uh it i, f- I found myself comparing uh sort of my pace and and my abilities um uh, in an area where where i struggle more or the the other one that i do a lot is with podcasting like this is the first podcast i've ever done and i listen to a lot of other bootstrapper podcasts and I find myself thinking like, wow, the, these hosts are so, uh, energetic and, uh, you, you can <laughs> like feel their passion. And I'm like, I don't know if I have that or, or these hosts are so knowledgeable and I, I learn something every single episode. I'm like, you know, I feel, I feel like Corey is good at doing that. And I don't know if I am, or, or mm-hmm. I'm not open enough or uh, so, so that's where a lot more, I do a lot more of my comparing and, and have a lot more doubts, yeah. uh, on that side of things. Yeah. Yeah, I've been noticing that there's kind of two,
0: um, I think, like, inputs to, to my jealousy a little bit. One is just, like, whatever is hot at the moment. Like you said, like, NFTs or, I don't know, even, like, sneakers or a certain market, like, no code or, like, something for the creator economy. And it just feels like, oh, I should have just done something or built something in that. And then, like, whatever it is, it just feels like you you do something there and it's just, like, successful. And here I am like building a community for marketers, which is like, no one's talking about marketers. No one's talking about marketing. Like it's not like super, super exciting. Uh, it's not like the new, you know, hot thing. I, I was I was listening to this podcast with uh, uh, the My First Million podcast with Sam and, and, and Sean. And they were talking about how these, this guy, I think it was just one guy, started like this Slack group for uh, sneakerheads. I think it was. And he charges like 30 bucks a month and he's already at like 160,000 in MRR. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, why don't why don't I just yeah. become a sneakerhead? I could be a sneakerhead like." <laughs> but that's not what I care about, you know what I mean? Like it's hard a little bit uh feeling like, you know, stick to what you enjoy and um what you're good at when that isn't like the hot thing at the moment, you know what I mean? Um and the other thing is I feel like in the like bootstrapper indie hacker kind of space, my, my initial impression was like, maybe this was like a couple years ago. I could be wrong here, but the way it's felt is like people doing, you know, a thousand or 2000 a month was like a huge win. And like everyone loves it and respects it. And it's like, people are perfectly happy sort of living like the, you know, ramen profitable kind of digital nomad style. And then like maybe more recently in the last like year or two, I want to say it feels like, no one cares about that stuff anymore. Like you want to be like insanely profitable now. And you just want to be making, you know, 40 grand a month. And if you're not making 40 grand a month, then like you just have like a little indie hacker project, which is like cool, but like no one cares about you. They <laughs> only care about like the, you know, the, the VC growth without the VC basically. And so it makes me look at swipe files and it's been growing nicely and I'm really happy with it, but, it doesn't feel like the exciting, you know, validated, like, um, you know, stuff that like sort of makes the headlines in the Indie hacker or SaaS community or even the creator economy. So that's, yeah. that's the difficult part of it.
1: Yeah. It's weird. Uh, see, I think if you posted in Indie hackers, you know, swipe files, hits 2k MRR. I don't know if you did, did that or not. I did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Last week. And you didn't get much of a response.
0: I did yeah i had a bunch of people sort of like congratulating and um some people on any on hacker's comment which is good and i probably don't do that often enough but it still feels like um i don't know yeah i don't know it's probably just my own impression yeah i'm just like limiting myself or sort of not thinking about it the right way or downplaying myself i don't know
1: yeah it definitely seems like there have been bigger successes in the indie hacker community than there were a few years ago. Uh, just, I mean, just the other day they had uh, Veed.io, which is like I was just gonna say, just been a That was one ship. of the ones that drove me nuts.
0: Yeah. Drove me nuts. Yeah, and I love it. I'm super happy for them. They're awesome guys. But I was just like, holy mackerel! Like, 150k ARR to 3.3 million ARR. Yeah, like wow! <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I want that. Duh! I mean, who doesn't?
1: Yeah, yeah. I Actually, I haven't listened to that episode yet, but um, yeah, just knowing their story a little bit and, and seeing the headline, it's pre- it's pretty wild.
0: Yeah, but the interesting part too is um, that's why I don't want to like. I I love that story actually, because they you could tell really really grinded it out and they worked on it for a long time even uh sort of spoiler alert, sorry, go back and listen to the <laughs> because it's, it's awesome. But um, him and his co-founder were like working on it and then they basically like ran out of money and then his co-founder like he went back to work consulting, to, like pay the bills. And then his co-founder had like another gig and like paid him half of his salary just to like keep afloat to keep working on the product and keep moving it forward. And then they did that for like another, I don't know, six months or a year or something. And then like it got a little bit of traction, worked on it even more and then COVID hit and, like, they started exploding and stuff. Mm. And so, like, that's, I mean, they absolutely deserved it and earned it. And, like, that's, you know, never, I'm sure they didn't, like, anticipate any of this, right? And so, I, I like that they sort of acknowledged that. And there was, like, the, oh, it wasn't just, like, I launched something and then it just exploded overnight. And it was completely, luck. Like, like, look at that. yeah. But there was actually a lot of grind in there.
1: Yeah. And again, I th- I think the, if you only read the headlines, it can make it seem that way. Uh, like you said, 150K ARR to 3 million or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, I'll, oftentimes you find the, the story behind it is it was quite a grind. And uh, I don't know, it, it doesn't always work out this way, but it's it seems like if you're continually putting stuff out there and just trying to increase your surface area of of luck, then eventually you you're in the right place at the right time uh, and and can capitalize on that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. So just wanted to share. Yeah. I've been been feeling that battling with it. It's not, not something that's going to go away. I'm sure everyone feels it to a a certain degree at any level, just because you always keep looking up and you keep looking at other people Um, but especially in the early days, it's, it's, it can be rough.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, I'm sure I know I can relate to that. I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that and it, I don't know, like I said, it it feels like it's, there's more of that FOMO happening lately and, uh, maybe we, we all need to get outside more and and get off our computers less (laughs) once, once, uh, pandemic is officially fully over, but yeah. Totally. Yeah. I,
0: I thought about the, that over the weekend too. I was like, Twitter is not real life. <laughs> and I think that if I was not online as much, I wouldn't feel this way. Yeah. Cause a lot of other people don't because they don't have like all these things constantly around them being like all these success you know, success stories and headlines and you know, these new things and fads and trends. Um, But we're like so deeply ingrained into like the cutting edge, the new stuff, the, the, the high growth stuff, you know? So we see it a lot more than what's actually reality.
1: Yeah. Especially with with sites like Hacker News, Indie Hackers, where you're literally looking at a leaderboard and the, (laughs) the hits are going to rise to the top. And uh, so, yeah, you're always going to be reading just the stream of, uh, you know, most of the time it's it's people's highs, people's successes, and uh, but again, I mean, kind of going back to this earlier earlier story of when you have a thousand people and uh, it's it's a, a, you tend to f- see a, a life event for someone every single day. It's like if you have thousands of people submitting content to these sites, and only the mm-hmm. best content rises to the top. Like you're you're not seeing the you know ninety ninety five percent of stuff that didn't make it yeah yeah it's so true
0: yeah yeah one one of the other updates and sort of wanted to get your thoughts on it too uh really quick was uh i became an investor in gumroad today (laughs) which is a um i saw you just said that and and interesting yeah yeah so there's a new sec sort of update uh and change to the rules where i think beforehand crowdfunding was limited to 1.07 million Um, And there was some other sort of like, uh, I guess like restrictions or rules that you had to to abide by. And then as of today, March 15th, they opened or they increased the limit to 5 million. And I think they also made it a little bit more widely available. Um, Like it's, there's a little bit less sort of restrictions around it. And Gumroad, I sort of saw and sort of caught wind of, and there was rumors of, uh, Sahil raising around on Republic and sort of crowdfunding and taking advantage of that. And sure enough, 9.00 AM Pacific, I think it was, uh, they launched on Republic. And by the time I hopped on at like noon, they were already halfway to their max at like two and a half million of their 5 million. And, uh, so I jumped in and I put a grand in and sort of a treating it like an angel investment, but I'm in.
1: So interesting. I, I'm, I'm totally, uh, ignorant to all of this really. So Republic is a crowdfunded, like, what do you, what do you get with your thousand? Is it some sort of equity or how does it work?
0: Yeah. So, so they're a crowdfunding platform. They basically allow companies to raise, uh, equity from like retail investors, essentially, you know, crowdfunding. Um, and then they sort of manage the whole process for you. And then I think that You can choose different terms, but like the standard and sort of default, I think is what they call like a crowd safe. So it's basically a safe, uh, you know, for the sort of investment vehicle that YC, you know, uh, created and sort of one of the standard early stage investment vehicles. And they have like their own kind of spin on it, the crowd safe. So it's distributed to a lot of a lot more people um, with slightly different, slightly different terms. I don't know if they're like crazy different. Uh, but, and then there's a valuation attached to each of them. So, you know, I think Gumroad set their valuation at a hundred million. Um, and I forget. So, you know, they re- if they reach the max of 5 million, I think, you know, they basically have like carved out, okay, we 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 can raise a max of this amount at this valuation and then they'll close it and cap it. Um, and they've, they've set the close to April 15th, but they're, I think they're now at like 30 or 3.5 million. So it wouldn't surprise me if they closed today and re- re- reach the max. Wow. Yeah. And then you can invest, I think as little as a thousand and as much as 2200. Although well, I think for most people it was a thousand. I'm not sure why I saw it a little bit higher and maybe it was a false indicator. Um, but I decided to put in a thousand because I figured like, basically my, my thought process is, It's basically an angel investment. Um, Also, I've never invested in anything else on Republic, and I think most of them aren't very good, but it's Gumroad and they're huge and they have a lot of momentum behind them. I like the team in general, like the company in general, and I felt like, well, if I'm gonna do this, like I should do it with Gumroad because (laughs) who knows when there's gonna be another opportunity like this or another company as promising as Gumroad, although they're not perfect. And so uh, if it goes to zero or if nothing happens, totally fine never seen that thousand ever again but if it does go well it's kind of a good scenario of you know gumroad reaching a you know ten to a hundred times valuation what they are raising this round either through acquisition or going public or I mean those are really the two options but uh, within the next ten years I could see one of those scenarios I've always been very bullish on on gumroad and um, so I figured it was you know, worth the uh worth the risk.
1: Yeah, that's cool. I'll have to yeah, maybe I'll have to check and see if I can still get in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm actually surprised. I I haven't checked in on Twitter in a couple of hours, but there's been lots and lots of I've seen lots of people invest, people like um Angie Warner from Mixer G, uh Chris Messina, Jay Klaus, uh I saw Daniel Vasalo who works there. He put in ten grand. So he must have had some sort of special special limit for him since he's an employee um, but they have I think close to also like thirty five hundred investors, <laughs> which is pretty crazy Wow um, I think a lot of them putting in a couple hundred bucks but uh, a good portion putting in more than that the one and a lot of people I was going to say have been commenting sort of who are there's there's already like a bifurcation of Thought process around crowdfunding and even around Gumroad, the company, and uh, some of them are valid. There was, I actually saw Nathan Barry and um, Justin Jackson talk about uh, Gumroad's track record, sort of burning the company to the ground, uh, calling the company failure, and then like the investors writing off sort of their equity and sort of buying back for a dollar going in zombie mode for a couple of years then like revamping and then now like fundraising again, um, sort of being a little bit questionable because it's a little bit unfair to like the original investors and the original team, um, which I could totally see. Hmm. Uh, but in general, I feel like it's a, it's a good company. I like them. I like Sahil and I feel like, even just objectively, it's a good investment opportunity, just as <laughs> if I was going to place a bet, like this would feel like a, if I was a betting man, I knew nothing else then I would place this bet. So, uh, we'll see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know enough about the, the history of Gumroad in detail other than sort of what you said, but from what I've read, I know it's not like it was an easy thing to go through of telling all these investors, Hey, it's uh, it's not working out and. You've lost your investment and uh like you said going going into zombie mode and just trying to like scrap to stay alive uh I don't, I don't know i don't know if i i don't know if i can blame him for that but
0: no exactly i i don't know if i would do anything differently if i was at home. yeah and um so i i understand people's criticism of him um and of the company but i also feel like that's that's pretty like harsh i feel like um the the other main like I guess like objection or trouble people are having with it is like, what's the exit strategy? Cause they basically didn't say anything yeah. about it. Um, but I felt, I was like, I don't know if you're an angel investor, it's very early to start thinking about like an exit strategy. It's, it's kind of known like, well you either get acquired or you IPO, or if it's like a different type of company, then maybe you throw off dividends and sort of make it back through sort of, you know, cash flow later on. And so I felt like it was also pretty harsh for people to be like, well, oh, what's the extra strategy? I was like, duh, like <laughs> IPO or get acquired. I don't know what else. Like, that's kind of a, a given, right? That's a known. Um, so I felt like they didn't really have to, but that's you know that's how I would be thinking about it. Um, of Did course, he there say, are things. Go ahead.
1: Sorry. Did he say anything about why they're raising right now or even why they're raising through crowdfunding? He hasn't talked a
0: ton about it and it has been a bit cryptic and I, I don't think that that's the right move. I think that he definitely should talk more about it. And I think that he has on clubhouse (laughs) behind closed doors (laughs) and it's going to be gone, um, which is a bummer. But, uh, he's also dropped hints before like about this and my impression from what I've read and I'm sort of paraphrasing so I could be wrong here is that, um, it's the, sort of like a, a big monumental change and he wants to allow customers and the community to like more partake in the success of Gumroad and um, sort of like be like one of the first big investment opportunities for creators in like a creator ask fashion, essentially. So I don't think it's necessarily like a, we need the money kind of thing or like mm-hmm. traditional fundraise. It's more like a, let's just get people in the door and let's allow people to sort of partake in the success of Gumroad's eventual exit, quote unquote, you know, whatever that looks like.
1: Yeah. I mean, with with a product like Gumroad, there's a lot of alignment there. You know, if I'm using Gumroad to uh, make money off of, it's like, yeah, I want this product to continue to succeed and, and grow. And uh, if I can also invest in that, that seems like a pretty good, Uh, like I said, it seems pretty aligned. Yeah. I was thinking it's, um,
0: you know, through this, they're, they're basically getting, uh, up to 5,000 evangelists, essentially advocates for them, um, which for them is non-trivial because it's such an easy product to get started with. And like, you know, appeals to sort of the lower end, unsophisticated part of the market. And, uh, so I could kind of see like a marketing play there a little bit, although it's a very expensive <laughs> marketing play <and laughs> with, uh, with equity. But, uh, I, I kind of like it because again, they they don't really need to. And if they don't need to, then that's kind of like the best case you can make for why you should invest because you're in the place where you don't need like the, the worst time to raise money is when you need it. Right. And so mm-hmm. when you raise money, when you don't need it, like you get better terms, both for you as the company and for the investors. And um, so I can like the idea behind it, but I have no idea how it'll play out. Yeah.
1: Well, hey. It'll, you're probably, a...
0: it'll, it'll take a long time to see anyways.
1: Yeah. You're in. You bought the ticket. so uh, I'm in you're, for the you're ride. Not gonna, yeah. You're not going to miss out, at least. <laughs> not <laughs> right. on this one. No FOMO here. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: I did not FOMO. I did have to make the case to my wife, and she was very generous. Uh, <laughs> and so I have to give her a shout-out because... Now everyone can get on board with that kind of thing, but again, it's a thousand dollars, which is definitely you know place of privilege, especially in sort of this stage of my career to be able to do and just sort of you know place like a, a bet like that, just where it could go to zero. But also, I think it's a fairly smart bet. Um, so
1: we'll see. I'm not too worried about it. I wish she made you match and put a thousand dollars into her business as well. Right.
0: <laughs> Funnily <laughs> enough, actually. We just set up her business bank account, which uh, we technically both funded, but you can make the case that it
1: didn't. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, one last uh, thing on FOMO. H- have you been doing any more Clubhouse or Twitter spaces? I haven't yet.
0: Um, okay. I want to, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I think I'll end up doing a couple maybe later this week or, or next week. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think I will, for sure. There you go. Yeah. I was going to do another another one for just like a marketing sort of meetup. Um, but I ended up scheduling like an official sort of meetup. And I'm going to be testing out um, Icebreaker. The uh, It's like a, it's this really interesting like gamified video chat kind of thing where you all join and then you can kind of like go through like these games and rounds where it's almost like speed dating or like you just kind of like match up with different people for like five minutes at a time. And uh, so I'm going to do that first, but we might end up doing a, a few more like meetups on Cliphouse or spaces. We'll see.
1: Nice. That sounds cool.
0: Yeah. Cool. Well, shall we wrap it or anything else? Top of mind for you. That's all I've got. All righty. Well, as usual, we'll have as many of the links and mentions in the show notes and we'll see you in the next one.